You're listening to KZOM, Oleander Public Radio. Hey, Dave. It's me, DB. How the heck is it going? I am well. All right. Hey, everyone. Welcome to People's Guide to the Cthulhu Mythos. Oh, sorry. Wrong show. That's next month. Radio Free Oleander. So, Dave, cat's out of the bag. Let's just talk about this top of the show. Uh, help people know what's going on so they're not confused next month. Uh, we're I, you know, Now, I, I will be confused next month. Oh, but I will be confused on a whole list of different things. <laughs> but yeah, uh, we're, we're switching formats a little bit. Not too much too different from what it is right now. Uh, we're going back to the old format and the old name. People are going back to work and are going to be looking for some old names. And uh, we're going back with our old name. And that's uh, Dave. Dave said, hey, let's let people know instead of my let people figure it out on their own or be mad that their favorite podcast no longer exists. But Because hey, I'm cool that way. Yeah. Yeah. You, you think about the listeners while I think just, I don't know. Um, turn out episodes, no matter how good or bad they are. <laughs> so, so speaking will, of a good or bad episode, be? the title will be "People's Guide to the Cthulhu Mythos." Okay, which is an established title. Yes, yes, I. It's that's the title that I have, and uh, what it's one of the one of the shows that was folded into Radio Free Oleander. Correct. So, uh, including uh, Black Clock Audio and Dave's Underground Goat Shenanigans. Correct. So we're folding everything back into People's Guide to the Cthulhu Mythos, even though Black Clock Audio Tales is technically its own little thing, but it's just on the same live feed. And, yeah, it won't just be the Cthulhu Mythos. It will be science fiction, gothic horror, horror, uh, weird fiction, bizarro fiction, any any, any of that stuff that's not just i don't know anything from ghost with a ray gun to zombie with a boner i don't know <laughs> so 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 i have some questions yeah well what what if i'm not a communist can i listen to it yes you can it's it what is if, not just for the people's guide what if what if i am not a people can if I you're, listen to it? If you're not a people, you can totally listen to it. Everyone's welcome to listen to The People's Guide to the Cthulhu Mythos, even if you're not a people. So you're saying that if I was to leave my radio or my podcast computer on yes. and, and my barn so that my goats would be entertained, it's still okay, even though they're not people. But they are well, socialists. They are people, but... So, I mean, they are communists, so... Well, they commune in the barn, so they're communists. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> in the loosest sense of the word. Uh, yeah, no. Yeah, everyone's welcome. People's Guide to the Cthulhu Mythos. Uh, and, yeah. So, it's it's just going to be like what it was before, except for better. Because Dave's going to be a part of it, and not just a monthly bit here and there where he sends in something and I put it on. So, well, well, what if, what if I wanted, what if I liked the parts about what's going on about the city of Oleander, 
Well, I just have to guess? No, we will still include those, and also Radio Free Oleander 1130 AM KZOM will still continue to exist, and we will still put weird stuff from Oleander going on. And if you want to find out about weird stuff going on in Oleander, 1130 AM KZOM Oleander Oregon on Facebook is probably your best bet on figuring out what's going on there. What, what if I don't like change? Does this mean I'm going to have to grow as a human being and maybe an artist? No, no, because the old episodes are still there. Oh, so I can still be immature and, 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 and all these other things that my therapist says I should not be? Exactly. And, you know, as I said before, all are welcome at People's Guide to the Cthulhu Mythos Radio Free Oleander Black Clock Audio Tales. So... Well, 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 well this prevent audrey plaza from listening to an episode and falling in love with me no that's me that prevents that from happening and uh, kat deming and everyone else in, in in hollywood that you're in love with dave and and and, and restraining orders yes <laughs> okay well that's my questions but if you the audience have questions please send us the emails yeah, and don't don't flood us like uh, like you did with gnomish contraptions. I mean, that was that was staggering the amount of mail that we got. Too bad we lost the tape and couldn't uh, play it. I mean, there was so many. We so had many to make a gnomish contraption to be able to sort out all the emails that we got about gnomish contraptions. Yeah, of of all the things that didn't come back when the two eighty eight returned, uh, gnomish contraptions. The audio tape for that was not one of them, unfortunately. Uh-uh. Yeah. So, Dave, uh, what's been going on with you this week? What have you been up to? Well, I guess, you know, the the things are as they go. The, the uh, oh, the, the goats are doing well. We've finished up our, uh, our uh, you know, kidding season, and mm-hmm. now they're in there. You know, when, uh, so goats, they, they, they're, they're like, puppies you know they grow up faster than kids mm-hmm. so basically all the the baby goats are going through the terrible twos yeah so but that's okay they uh you know they, they've identified you know that they are hungry and they've come up with a way to express that they are hungry yeah but uh, other than that um Everything pretty much is, is you know, the the weather here is, it's, I don't know if anybody was checking the weather channel out, but but uh, Northern Oregon uh, was, on Sunday was in a red flag fire warning and hail warning simultaneously. Yeah, yeah, that was pretty crazy. That was pretty crazy. So, you know, other than that, um, so yeah, normal. Yeah, uh, I, I I had uh, some friends visit uh, Oleander over the week or week oh, weekend last couple you of have days. Friends? I have friends outside of uh, yeah no uh, my friends from Salt Lake City, uh, Doctor Andrew Grace, who's been on the show, uh, and his wife uh, Professor Kara Barnett. They visited from Salt Lake City where they teach at. Uh, I guess like the liberal arts college in Salt Lake City, and they went to Lincoln City for their uh, hard 
earned vacation. Uh, now that things are starting to open up, they went out there and they drove through Oleander uh, on the way in and on the way out. <laughs> and uh, on the way in, they're like, hey, uh, we want to go to a fancy restaurant. And I said, I know a place. So I called up Rooster and Fritz over at Oblivion's and I said, listen, guys, can you make us some fancy uh, German food for my friends that are visiting? And then they're like, yeah. And then uh, they're like, okay, we want to go to a dive bar. So on their way back, I went, hey, let's go to Oblivion's. And they're like, what are you talking about? I'm like, we'll sit on the other side of the wall, the side that isn't the fancy restaurant where old people go to eat during the day. That and we'll sit on the side that you can actually see the pool table and the bar and that kind of stuff. The place that was a strip club up until about the 60s. But anyway. Because there are no dive bars in Salt Lake. No, no, no. Well, actually, there are. I, I was actually in a bar in Salt Lake City that had, like, this, like, big kind of, like, weird plastic Blues Brothers statue in it and, like, these, like, really gross Nagahide couches. It, it, it was, it was like, it was, I was like, I've been in biker bars that are, like, more intimidating than this. This is just kind of like this sleazy kind of, like, place that, you know, people would sell you, like, their kids Adderall or, you know, and, and like, yeah, you can, like, yeah, it, ugh. it was, it was, it was just, it was like a nasty cockroachy bar where, I don't know, like parts of it were built out of plywood. It was just like, huh, is this place? I thought you were going to say parts of it were made out of cockroaches. <laughs> no, 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 no. Uh, I, 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 I think some of the food may have been made out of cockroaches, but yikes i don't even know the name or i tell people don't go there i mean it was oh oh but when i was there it was like two people started beating the hell out of this guy and bartender's like eh, you had to come in uh it's the owners and you know and i'm like oh great great we have some like meth thugs that think that they're ai yikes I mean, they had a Ninja Turtles uh, arcade machine that uh, you could play for free. So my friend Drew, uh, you know, who I mentioned before, when I was living in Salt Lake City, we were looking for a, a cool bar to hang out. We never found a cool bar to hang out. He found one later after I moved away. But, man, I was in Salt Lake City. Hot place. Not the greatest. <laughs> and no, I guess it gets... I literally, I was there I get the airport, oh, and it was it's got to have been about 10 years ago. Uh -huh. And, and I was at the hotel because I was going to get the plane the next day. And it was 100 degrees at 8 o'clock at night. Yeah, yeah. And and then I hear it's, like, super cold in the winter. And I'm like, I don't want to be any place that's super hot and super cold. That's why I like the Northwest. It's just kind of, like, medium. It's temperate. <laughs> Sometimes I have to wear a heavy sweater. Sometimes I take that sweater off and I have a cool T-shirt underneath. But, yeah. Anyway, so what are we talking about this week? Now that we're done talking about Oleander and well, we're done so talking last about... last month plus a week was yeah. Star Wars. Star Wars. So we're going to be talking about another science fiction franchise. Oh, man. One of the greatest science fiction franchises. Uh, alien and or aliens and or plurality. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm like, the first movies are so good. It's like... You can watch the other movies and be like, oh, okay, well, you know, all right, all right. That's a clone of Ripley. That's that's still a clone of Ripley. All right, cool, cool. So, <laughs> I think a, I think a lot of that too. I think a lot of people think that a lot of these are really good sort of standalone movies, but they're not really true to the 
the first two. Yeah. So we talk about, um, and so I'm talking to uh, Bryant Dillon, who yeah. is the president of Fanbase Press. Uh, and he, um, oh, they do several graphic novels and novels out there, but he, like me, has this love for the Dark Horse Expanded Universe. Oh. As well as he kind of climbed on the board uh, with Alien 3. So he has a, a sort of a very interesting uh, perspective of Alien, you know, Cube or Alien 3. Yeah. But also, like I said, we spend most of the time talking about uh, Dark Horse, which is headquartered in, in Oregon. Yeah, Milwaukee. Uh, uh, Milwaukee, yes. Oregon. Have you been there since? And I'm actually going to go there Sunday. No. Uh, because, so now that Dark Horse has lost the rights to Alien. Oh, boo. It's, it's gone to Marvel. Uh-huh. Is there still have that huge alien in the window? Huh. Well. So that's a, when I moved, when I moved to the Pacific Northwest, <laughs> that was my first trip, was I went to get a selfie with me with that picture of the, the alien and the, uh, and uh, the predator in the window, and and I haven't been there since everything's happened and since yeah. they they've lost the 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 right publishing rights. So next week I'll tell you about my trip to Portland and if they still have the alien on the in the window. Nice, nice. Yeah, no, I have no idea. I haven't even uh, been out that way lately. Uh, and if they don't, you know, would they think about selling it? Now, <laughs> how much is that alien in the window? I'm sure the someone who works there has teeth. had their... <laughs> I'm sure someone who works there has had their eye on it for years. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah, so do you want to talk about uh, aliens for a little bit here, Dave? Yeah, so we'll do that. And then for D&D and D&D, uh, I think we'll talk a little bit more about aliens. Yeah, that's, that, that, that was my idea. Or, I mean, well, that was that was an idea that I think we both have. All right, so let's... A, We're a, both geniuses. I know. Aliens franchise. The Aliens franchise. Dave, do you have a favorite in this series of movies? So, so it really is one and two mm -hmm. because they're different types of movies. Yeah. So, so, so Alien is my favorite horror movie in the franchise. Yeah. Aliens is my favorite science fiction in the franchise. Okay, cool, cool. Yeah, no, I, I, I definitely agree. I definitely agree. Uh, uh, overall, Alien is my favorite in the franchise. It's it, it kind of goes like almost in like order of creation. Uh, unlike unlike the Star Wars franchise, it's 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 definitely uh, numeric. It's like the first one. It's my first favorite. The second one. It's my second favorite. The third one. It's my third favorite. The fourth one. I saw that one too. <laughs> yeah. Was this Prometheus? No, no, no. Uh, Alien Four with Winona Ryder. Oh, oh, four. I, I was thinking five. Yes. Okay. Yeah, and then and then I saw Prometheus, and I don't consider that part of the Alien franchise. I, I it's part of the Alien. Uh, I don't know. Uh, Waylon Utani. Uh, I don't know universe, but um, I, I mean it's not. So my, my thoughts on that movie directly related. That's my thoughts on that movie. Uh huh. The spaceship is amazing. Oh, it looks I, like they spent a trillion dollars to make that spaceship. I I love how that movie looked. I love the special effects. I loved the uh, mapping, uh, like 
I don't know, omni-tool-looking kind of mapping system they had in their helmets and stuff, and just all of that, or, or on their wrists or everything, the helmets and everything like that. It was it was all really cool, and I loved the special effects, and I loved just the visual effects of Prometheus. And the acting was decent. It was not great, but it was it was not bad in any way. But linking it to the Alien franchise just seemed kind of dumb, and it, and yeah. it made Alien feel dumb, and, and and it made me mad that they didn't move to the right or the left while something's rolling. It's like, yeah. and there's just there's just things about it that just just like, oh, this could have been a lot better, but it. It, it wasn't. <laughs> so I love, like I said, uh, and, and you're going to hear much in this interview how much sure. I love the Dark Horse. Yeah. But the thing I love was the space jockeys. Yeah. These giant elephant aliens. And you know what? If you read the comic books, they're not the good guys. Yeah. They're, 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 they're as willing to take over Earth as anything. Mm-hmm. And these, I love this. And then they make, no, it's just a tall guy with a suit that kind of looks like an elephant. Yeah. That, that That's what bothered me. Yeah. Spoilers for, you know, spoilers for what, a, a 10-year-old movie now? Yeah, yeah, I guess so. I guess it's been a while. But, uh, yeah, yeah I, I, I don't necessarily want to talk about Prometheus. I do definitely want to talk about how uh, Dan O'Bannon made uh, Dark Star, and there was a scene with a beach ball alien. That it go- looks like a giant inflatable tomato yeah that goes out an airlock and then that gets turned into a big budget movie just that that concept gets turned into a big budget movie which it i i love that like tom scarrett was like the the person who they're like yeah we got tom scarrett we got tom scarrett <laughs> uh but yeah, no, and uh, no one knew who Sigourney Weaver was. I mean, like no one knew who a lot of these people were, and f- this this movie kind of introduced everyone to everyone. And of course, the the uh, the you know uh, introduced a greater world to the works of H.R. Uh, Giger Geiger. I don't know how to pronounce it, but yeah, uh, yeah, no, I mean. Alien went on to, like, influence so much, so much, so much, just, like, with biomechanics and, like, the concept of, like, working-class space people, which, I don't know, kind of, Space truckers. Space truckers, yeah. I mean, that was kind of, like, something that, like, Han Solo was a space trucker, but this is kind of, like, I don't know. It's, like, you have to have some, you know, you have to have, like, it, it exist at some point in time has to then be done again to become like kind of like a cliche but this is before it becomes cliche to have a space trucker to have like blue collar people working in space it's like space isn't glamorous space is a place that you die you know and maybe your family gets an insurance payout you know or maybe not it's it's the uh dutch east india company in space i mean (laughs) yes it is I would say, and, and you know, of course, John Hurt is going to get nominated for uh, an Academy Award like three years later. But I think John Hurt had a little bit of a falling. Yeah. And and, um, and I always, I'm sorry, I always mispronounce his name. Uh, Cap at the uh-huh. uh, He had he had already been, I'm pretty sure, uh, the bad guy and main bad guy in a uh, a Bond movie. Yeah. You know, he played Mr. Big. 
Oh yeah, yeah. But you're right. Pretty much, we're unknowns. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, and oh, it's like the whole concept. Like the alien then gets parodied forever after this point. The whole concept of like just like the face huggers, just just unglamorous. Uh, it, it becomes almost a parody at, at points, or uh, not, it becomes almost a parody. It becomes parodied quite a bit at some point in time, whether it be space balls, whether it be like like aliens popping out of chests, like, uh, oh, it's just indigestion. Uh, the concept of like uh, different life cycles being introduced into video games and movies and books and just all kinds of just different things just come out of this movie that then becomes part of science fiction for the next at least I don't know um, oh man this movie's 40 plus years old so it's still it's it's still generating new stuff it's still stuff is still kind of like oh that's an aliens ripoff like there's there's movies that it's like oh that's an aliens ripoff oh aliens ripoff aliens ripoff and uh, alien ripoff, alien ripoff. You know, it's it's the the concept of like, oh, but what if what if one of them isn't us? What if they're an android? And you know, it's it's like the you know the government, you know, the the company store is out to screw us. But something that I hear people say time and time again is, aliens, the first, uh, it's just a haunted house story, or it's a slasher movie set in space. And um, my, my, what I've always thought of, it's 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 like one of those like uh, old British ripping yarn stories about like uh, Dutch East India Company. That's where I was going of like a bunch of like uh, blue collar men who, uh, you know, are in India and get attacked by tigers while uh, looking in temples or something like that. Like like old pulpy stories, but it's it's not tigers. It's it's. A new life form and it's not india it's uh some space uh it's 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 some chunk of chunk 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 of stone in space i mean it's 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 some weird anomaly that they're like told to look at by their company and that's that's like one thing that's kind of like kind of is the bad guys in Alien aren't necessarily the alien. It's I've always felt it's like uh, Waylon Yutani is ultimately the bad guy in Aliens, the Alien franchise. They're the ones who want to capture the alien. I mean, it's 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 like some people have been like, it's kind of like King Kong. How they? It's like no, it's not like King Kong. It's not like I want to put on a big show. It's like we want to take something that we know for a fact. If we introduce it it could possibly wipe out all of humanity in a very short period of time. Wayland yutani is definitely the personification of the industrial military complex. Yes, yes. Industrial greed, uh, biogenetic engineering gone awry. I mean, it's... it's Yeah. Um, it's, it's crazy stuff, and it's one of my favorite favorite movies is when did you see alien dave do you do you remember when you saw alien i'm sorry you're breaking up there oh uh when did you see alien so i did not see Alien. so i read the book before i read the, the the novelization sure years before i saw the 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 uh the movie mm-hmm. 
so I, I read the novelization in high school and I saw it first time uh, on uh, uh, in t- on TV. Yeah. Um, so I was a little bit disappointed because I watched the edited version and there were scenes that were also in the book that were taken out ah, of the movie. Okay. So, I, I mean, I knew the story, but... Mm-hmm. but um, So, yeah, I, I, I read the books uh, Alien and Aliens in high school, and I loved them. And then for one reason or another, I, I didn't see the movies until I was in college. Okay. Yeah, for me, I, I, I knew about Alien and Aliens as cultural references, but I didn't see Alien until 89, and I didn't see Aliens until 89, but earlier that year, and I was at Seaside, Oregon, playing uh, Xenophobia with my friend, and he said, oh yeah, this is like Aliens, or Alien, and I'm like, oh, you mean Aliens? He's like, no, Alien, the movie that was from before that, and I'm like, what, there was a movie before that? And he's like, yeah, it's how she knows about the alien and stuff. And then we went and we rented it from a video store in Seaside, Oregon, and we watched it, and I'm like, this is the best movie ever, um, which I'd only said about like two other movies for that, Night of the Living Dead and David Lynch's Dune, which those are still three of my favorite films of all time, just like stylistically just amazing films. Yeah, anyway, awesome. so... Uh, we see Alien and Aliens, like, I, I, I see both of those, like, in a short period of time, and they're just amazing films. Now, there's one other that that we haven't mentioned that mm-hmm. I think is almost as good as those two. Yeah. And that is the 40th anniversary Alien short films. Oh. I don't know if you're familiar with that. No. So that you can, you can just watch all of them on YouTube. Uh-huh. And there are six shows, people, that were started with a, a video game company, but also 20th Century Fox announced, they said, we're going to let you make shorts that are true to the spirit of Alien for the 40th anniversary, which was 2019. And so there are six just amazing shorts. Uh, Alien Containment, uh, I got the list here, Alien Specimen, Alien Night Shift, Alien Ore, Alien Harvest, and then the last one is my favorite, uh, is Alien Alone. And people, all you have to do is go onto YouTube, YouTube and type in Alien Shorts, and you can watch them. They're all six to twelve minutes or so, and, and they're lower budget, but for they got to use you know real aliens costumes and stuff. And so for what it is, it's amazing. And and the fact that there's a bunch of short stories. Uh, we all it, it can keep it fresh yeah. so i really i would put i would put them under alien and aliens uh and maybe only thing that's why not as good is because it is sort of a short story medium uh-huh. and, and and the fact that that the other two were sort of fresh this is hey we know we've been doing this for 40 years it's in the title you know alien 40th anniversary short films we know we've been doing it for 40 years so we're not going to try to give you these new tropes. We're just going to try to make the tropes still exciting. Yeah. Well, that's cool. I should check that out. Definitely. And like I said, uh, uh, the last one, is Alien Alone is my favorite. Cool. 
Very cool. All right. So uh, we've got that interview coming up right now. And here we go. And after that, uh, D&D on D&D, we'll be talking about aliens and D&D. So there we go with that. You're listening to KZOM, Oleander Public Radio. Welcome back to Radio Free Oleander. This is the Farmer Dave Show. And you are listening to 11.30 a.m. in the greater Clackamas Valley area. And we've got a really special guest, a guest. But before I go into that, just a reminder, Jody Loves Chotsky, our local shop where you can pick up things like Frisbees and keychains and T-shirts. They're having a half off on all Bigfoot Chotsky. So you want to get to there because it's going to be closing by the weekend or the sale is closing by the weekend. But we have Bryant Dillon, and he is the president of Fanbase Press. Uh, Bryant, uh, why don't you tell the audience a little bit about yourself? Uh, sure thing, David. Uh, and thank you. First off, thank you for having me. Um, I am uh, someone who's been basically involved with uh, publishing uh, comics for the last 10 plus years. Uh, as you mentioned, I'm, I'm president of Fanbase Press, so um, I oversee, uh, along with my editor-in-chief, uh, who also is my wife, Barbara Dillon, um, I oversee each of our, our books. We put out uh, one to two titles per year. And uh, I also was uh, writing, uh, the writer of the first two uh, graphic novels, two horror graphic novels uh, that we put out. Uh, one, uh, I guess being appropriate for the subject we're about to talk about, was inspired uh, by my love of the Alien franchise and, and my childhood fear of E.T. So okay. that's me That's me in a, sum, a short summary. Well, that's great. And if somebody is interested in... Uh finding out more about uh, uh, Fanbase Press, how can they do that? Well, we're uh, we're available on almost every social media platform, and, and we are also uh, at fanbasepress.com. Um, if you uh, look for us on Twitter, we're at uh, fanba- fanbase underscore press, and, and uh, you just search Fanbase Press on Facebook, you'll find us there, uh, and at Fanbase Press on Instagram as well. Excellent. And db who's my partner who knows how to do more with a computer besides word process and turn it on <laughs> he's going to put the links on he'll put the links Excellent. in Excellent. Uh, on the show notes so we are, of course this month are talking about the aliens franchise yes. and i'm really excited to talk to you especially about the comic book but sort of the general ice-breaking question this this week a month is and there's no wrong answers sure so is alien franchise is it horror science fiction or something else you know it's really an interesting question um i i think i have to say that there's clearly there's clearly a a blend of the two i don't think you could say it's not horror or not sci-fi but when i have to i guess if, if i'm i'm backed into a corner I tend to come down um, with this sci-fi genre. That's, I guess, where I would end up putting it in the uh, in, in the uh, movie rental section. Um, okay. Yeah, and I think that's really because I, there are a lot of horror, horror elements in the Alien franchise. But if you, especially looking at, I would think those first three films, um, 
the horror comes out of uh, out of the the sci-fi um, situations. You know, the the alien is not necessarily a, a demonic force. There's not really um, something supernatural going on. There might be things that we don't understand, but we're essentially talking about a biological creature encountering humans and and just doing what it does. L- so. Like the shark in Jaws. Right, very similar. You know, it still has plenty of horror elements. You wouldn't be able to say it's not a horror, but but I don't know that um, it's it's not the same thing as like say Freddy Krueger or The Shining or or what we think of as as standard horror. I would say. Okay, excellent. Now you and I both have a love for one of the lesser known uh, parts of the Alien universe. And that is the Dark Horse comics. Yes. Yes. Um, so, um, what was your first introduction to the the Alien uh, franchise of Dark Horse comics? Well, interesting enough, um, I, I had a few comics before that, but when I trace back my entire path into the comic industry, it it's associated with the Dark Horse comics. Um, I was really big into the Alien franchise as a, uh, I guess it, it would be considered a tween these days. Um, but I, I was, I remember I was fascinated by um, a arcade game of the of the second movie that happened to be at a local mall, and um, I started going into the, like ex- interest into the movies from there. But there wasn't a lot of content for you know alien fans at that point there was essentially the movies and maybe like some model kits here and there and then this one video arcade game that i was aware of uh but i was is this the one where you've got like a machine gun and you're shooting the the aliens it's sort of a you do have that but it's more um it's a side scroller um okay where you're kind of going through the events of the second film you're you're one of the marines for a while you end up I think you end the game by by being in the power loader and battling the queen. Um, But uh, funny enough, like, I guess this must have been around 91 or 92 because Alien 3 was just about to hit. And uh, I had some uh, family members, an uncle, I believe, who knew that I was really into the Alien franchise. And they happened to come across uh, the Alien 3 adaptation uh, as it was coming out issue to issue uh, in a local comic book store and and bought all three issues for me and that oh, was cool. uh, that was like my intro both to the idea that there were other places to go find more alien stories but also just comics in general I, I, I was sucked into the local comic book bookshop on a weekly basis by this introduction and then as you know being a fan of dark horse they they were putting out a ton of stories in the alien franchise during the the 90s uh late 80s early 90s and so for for a kid who was obsessed with these stories and creatures it was it was a little piece of heaven honestly to constantly go you know every i think i went every thursday uh to the comic book shop and and see what new alien adventure or story was on on the shelf so, so I didn't get really into comics until I graduated college, and I had my own money to spend on them. Mm-hmm. But that was right in the middle of Aliens Colonial Marine. Oh, yes. And, and so I mm-hmm. started on, I, I think it was a 12 issue, and like, and I don't know if it was supposed to be monthly, but I think it was, it, it ended up being like every other month 
but uh, yes. I started about four or five in the uh, uh, Aliens Colonial Marines, and, and that's really sort of got me hooked on it. Well, that was a uh, that was a fantastic series. That started, I remember that starting out right when I was uh, diving into that stuff, and, and there were a few friends I think in my fourth grade class who were also like really into it. But I remember distinctly seeing the first issue of Alien Colonial Marines with uh, the alien holding the smoking grenade in its mouth, and I think there was some blood splatter on it, and it, it just you know that was sort of one of the things that was really amazing about the Dark Horse comics and the comic world in general was just like these amazing imagery, images and art and, and even characters. I remember like Colonial Marines was one of the, as you mentioned, it was 12 issues long. It was one of the longer series that they did. It was There was usually between like four and six issues for their series, but this was a, a big undertaking. And uh, I think we had uh, this, the younger sister of Vasquez in that series and... Uh, people who were becoming like uh, they were calling them bug people they looked like they were like derived from the aliens and had some sort of weird connection and just a really interesting series yeah and the, i remember too that that's the first uh, i mean it came right about the time as alien 3 where the mm-hmm. idea is that whatever creature the aliens imprinted right or uh in, in, you know they would be so there was like a an alien face hugger that's on this like whale creature so yeah, yeah, there was whale a whole aliens attacking the, the, these jetties. And... Yeah, that was a really cool. I remember that. There's like at least two issues where there's loads of aquatic aliens, and there was just like a whole new, like a whole new uh, environment, you know, that you'd never seen in the films. Absolutely, and I think there's too some of the fact. I mean, obviously, special effects are amazing in those movies, but I think there was just you. You could, if you could draw it, if you could think it and you could draw it, you could do it for the, the comics. It was very true. It's very true. And they, they could they could go really, really big or they could go uh, really intense and small and sort of claustrophobic. So you did have things like, I remember the, the ending of Aliens Colonial Marines essentially having scenes where they were, I think they had like seven APCs and they were all like rigged up differently and just running like down the these uh I guess they're not even streets but down these hallways of the alien hives and like just shooting at various aliens but they also had I mean there's stories like um Aliens in Sacrifice which is a really neat neat painted uh comic where it's just about an individual who crash lands on a uh planet and um essentially has to deal kind of like alien 3 has to deal with an alien without any um weaponry but there's this really dark undercurrent to the story where this small town is essentially keeping this alien at bay by cloning infants and and sort of feeding them as a sacrifice to the alien and and then her this main character having to confront the the evil of that yeah and, and whether that's acceptable to do what were maybe some of uh, and obviously sacrifice but what are maybe some of your other favorite uh episodes or volumes or memories with the uh, the dark horse comics um you know there's there's uh there's quite a few but if i had to uh if i had to really pick out uh my favorites i guess i would definitely have to mention um the original alien vs predator series which was was groundbreaking it's, it's really where the the concept came from everything the video games the movies everything spanned from that 
And I don't feel like anything has really uh, lived up to the depiction um, in that actual yeah. original miniseries. And then um, there's also uh, one other that I would recommend would be Aliens uh, Labyrinth, which is a story by Jim Woodring and uh, art by Killian Plunkett, who is, is probably one of the, in my opinion, one of the best artists uh, who worked on the, the Alien comics. He's gone on to doing all sorts of art direction for Star Wars, especially their animated series like Clone Wars and Rebels. But he just nailed the look of the uh, the first creature in, in Ridley Scott's film and sort of its its body movement. And uh, that story is just really uh, cerebral uh, and and sort of a, a mind twist, I guess. It's, it's about an individual um, who has to go to a, a, a space station where they're in un- uh, unlicensed space, I believe, or unregistered space. Something mm. there's some, some reference about that, but basically they're they're in um, they're outside the legal system and they're able to do these ex- experiments on the xenomorphs and sort of study them. But there's a it's sort of a murder mystery that takes place on board this uh, this space station, and it's it's pretty uh, dark, creepy stuff. You know, I I I the part that I love the best, I think was sort of the 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 world building and mm-hmm. and especially the corporate and the corporate espionage sure and i'll tell you one that i that i love and and i have to admit towards the end it got a little cheesy okay uh, but that was chris claremont's uh, alien versus predators dangerous of the species oh yes yes and and, and, and it lost steam at the end i, I admit it lost sure steam at the end sure but and 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 it got to where I think we were waiting sometimes like three months before a new issue came out. Yes. But the, the yeah. first half especially, that was amazing. You know, I just I just loved that. It was so – there's huge sort of Zeppelin-like spaceship that travels over this destroyed mm-hmm. Earth. And, you know, you've got a, a hero who can't remember his brainwash or brain wiped and yeah. sold as a trophy wife. And her partner, the the predator, is trying to get her back, and to uh, a male and female spy, run it. I just love that, but I, I admit it, it, it did run out of steam a little bit towards the end. Yeah, it did. It, it had it had some concepts that were almost like, um, obviously, with Claremont, you get you know you get some of that X Men um, uh, vibe. He brings that that storytelling um, uh, feel to it and I feel like there was he was really pushing the boundaries but there are, it, it gets to places where you're like okay well maybe that's not uh, uh, that maybe it doesn't fit as well but I oh, I agree with you the setup and the build was really strong with that series and um, I guess one interesting thing I can share about that is um, I had a few years ago uh, I had a chance to table at a convention next to, to Chris Claremont oh nice of course, I wanted him to, to sign my uh, issue one of Alien, Alien, uh, Predator, Deadliest of Species. And he, uh, I guess I, I say it that way because he pointed out to me whether, I, 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 and I will say, I don't even know what really the purpose of this, but he said, I said, oh, this is a really cool Alien vs. Predator comic. And he goes, oh, well, this is not an Alien vs. Predator comic. And he's like, you'll notice that verse is not in the title. And that's because it is an aliens predator comic, not an alien first predator comic. Mm. And I, was, I kind of took that in and was like, I, well, I'm not going to challenge, I'm not going to challenge the the writer of the book on on this. But yeah. but who knows who knows what he specifically 
means by that. I, I love to sometimes sit and wonder what what is what is Claremont think the difference is between an alien versus predator title and an alien predator title. No, but as soon as you brought that up, and I had never noticed that, but as soon as you brought it up, that makes perfect sense to me. When you have the relationship sort of with the predator, with mm-hmm. the, the 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 human that's a little bit more than human, I, w- I won't do any won't do any major spoiling for what's now what a thirty year old comic, <laughs> but, <laughs> right? Probably. But it's still, if people can get it, by all means, I recommend it. it it's it's amazing. Definitely, it's well, well worth the read. So, I'm gonna, and I, I hope I'm not cornering in here, but there is someone who I love. Okay. Is William Gibson. I mean, I have read uh, Neuromancer so many times. Are you familiar with William Gibson's uh, Alien Three and the comic book version? I am. I am. I, I'm. I'm a huge fan of of Alien Three, so I'm also a pretty huge fan of the. Uh, the twisting story behind uh, the creation of it and and the various uh, incarnations that almost made it to screen. And so I, I was familiar with the Gibson script prior to, I guess, sort of its revival lately. We've had this comic book series. There's also a uh, an audio book version of it out there now that I think... A, a uh, novel version, too, I think, is coming yeah, out. Yeah, a novel version as well. I think the audio version has... Even uh, I want to say Michael Bean came back to voice Hicks for it, um, but I think it might have a few other uh, uh, big name actors. But but yeah, I am familiar with it, um, and it, it certainly has a lot of interesting ideas. Some that I would say have even shown up, I in, you know, in, in slight forms in some of the the new movies that have come out or other other comics as well. Yeah, I, I and again. Uh, for those who are listening that aren't familiar, William Gibson is the grandfather or the godfather of cyberpunk. Right. Uh, he wrote Neuromancer. And in the 80s, 90s, he was the name. And so the the, uh, the company that was making Alien 3 said, well, went to him and said, hey, why don't you, guys, why don't you write a script? Because they wanted to attach his name on it. Now, William Gibson was naive enough about movies and how movie production is done. He thought that when they said, hey, write me a script, they wanted a script. Really, they just wanted some ideas that they could throw his name on. Right. And, and it sort of, they didn't know what to do with the script. And, and I admit there are some things that I think alien fans would get upset with if they made it into a movie. But okay. I love, such as the these spores that hit the human beings and turn them into aliens. Right, right. That still, it's it's scary. It's one of the few things that are really truly scary that I've read in comics, and mm-hmm. and I knew it was coming because I read the script first. So, yeah, I think it's this masterpiece. Um, but I could get why a lot of alien fans would not not have really liked it, but. Um, it's it's nice that it's making a, a, a comeback. When it's got such a, what I really like about it, because I I will say that I'm like I'm like middle of the road with the spores idea. I like the idea of the spores, uh, the and I and I will say that the depiction in the comic of the aliens sort of like 
it's almost like instead of turning into the aliens, the aliens like rip their way out of the individual. It's almost like you shed yeah. their skin or something. It's really, um, it's got some true body horror in there. Um, I'm a little like in middle of the road on that, but but what I do really love about, about his script is um, it just doubles down and dives deeper into sort of the the corporate dystopia of the series and and really. Um, you know, obviously takes this Cold War metaphor um, and and makes the alien. I mean, we hear about it all the time in the Alien franchise. Oh, this this is for the the bioweapons, you know, department. This is that's where where the money is. That's where the interest is. But we, the, I would say, Gibson script is like one of the few times we really see like, well, what are they gonna do with this? What's what what would be the potential of this? And and seeing um, someone else sort of lift. The, the xenomorph um, DNA, if you will, from from Wayland Yutani, and and not really understand um, the the danger that they are they're uh, uh, playing with, you know, and then and then the outcome of it is, I think that was the most interesting part of the script for me, and uh, you know, I, th- I think the only reason that it really didn't end up going that direction is because he uh, wrote that script when they still were not sure if Sigourney Weaver would be coming back yeah. uh, for the series and so she's the Ripley character is basically sidelined in that and and that you can tell like oh this was written with the intention of it ending and starting a whole new set of movies that would continue and I think they made the decision later like no we're going to bring Ripley back and we're going to do one more movie and try to kind of wrap up the story to a degree and, and and you're absolutely right about it's a continuation of the Cold War because you know the the, the enemy is you know I, I know it's the People's Progressive Collective or something right but you know mm-hmm. I call it the the space commies pretty you much know, yeah it, 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 it's the Soviet Union China Vietnam they mm-hmm. have their sector of space and America and England have their sector of space and, and it is it's sort of sort of communism taken to extreme capitalism taken to extreme and, and i love that part and we see a little bit of that in um in, in the dark horse but maybe yeah. not as much the the, the communist side but we see the, the capitalist side yeah we definitely see corporate corporate warfare and espionage as you mentioned and there's uh, i think grant corporation is set up as a big competitor of of wayland yutani so definitely they play around with that but i i would agree the, the gibson script really uh nails it yeah. Now, I don't know if you're familiar with the new, new-ish, like a year, year and a half, alien role-playing game. I a little bit. I have I have some, uh, I guess, uh, associates who I um, who are involved with creating it, but I haven't been able to test. I haven't been able to test it out or play it at all myself. I've just sort of been peeking over their shoulders in social media being like oh that looks really interesting well the 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 people's collective so that that survives into the video game into Uh the role-playing game oh wow that's very cool that's very cool yeah well i have just absolutely enjoyed talking to you and really hope to have you on again uh but we're kind of running out of time but is there anything you'd like to say to sort of wrap things up no, you know what? I would ju- I would just encourage uh, anyone who has a love for the series and who has not experienced uh, the comics. Um, obviously, if you don't know, the license has passed to uh, Marvel at this point. But Marvel is reprinting the old Dark Horse uh, 
series and uh you can still find them in you know you uh used bookstores and places like that so so definitely seek them out if you're looking for new alien stories absolutely absolutely and again we can uh find uh find you guys fan base press on uh, instagram and on facebook facebook instagram twitter um and definitely look for us just at, at fanbasepress.com everything is is available on our website uh we've got a in addition to being uh comic book publishers we're also a, a geek uh culture uh website so we have reviews interviews with other creators a whole podcast network um for alien day we do a lot of alien content so definitely stop by and check out uh the free content as well as our, our published titles excellent thank you and you've been listening to the farmer dave show and our guest has been the president of fanbase press and bryant dillon and just a reminder that if you do see an unidentified flying object in the city of oleander do not report it to the local police because they're just going to shoot at it all right well thank you very much and we're going next is the goat report hey everyone it's dnd on dnd it's db dave how are you doing i am still all well and i have not had a chest buster bust out of my chest so that is a good thing that's pretty good to hear that is good to hear i myself am doing all right uh oh man I'm thinking about aliens and D&D, and oh, I, I feel like they've tried to introduce like things like xenomorphs into D&D in the past. I'm like drawing a blank on the names, but I, I like something like slicers, or I, I can't remember, like some sort of like uh, not necessarily. Although there is aspects of uh, mind flayers. And like their like brain spawn things that kind of remind me of uh, uh, aliens, but uh, their life cycles and whatnot. But yeah, they're definitely and 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 bugs, and there's a lot of different sort of bugs type thing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, um, and there have actually been, and maybe it's been a little bit minute before we talk about D and D. There have been official and unofficial, and there still are official and unofficial alien uh, role-playing game oh yeah and the first one was very obviously was inspired by uh by alien and aliens and that was tsr uh back in the the late 80s they basically wanted to sort of do the gurp thing uh-huh. and make this sort of system they called um oh uh their i forgot but it's like international machine or internal machine game system uh it was based on the sniper rules uh and they in 1988 uh did a called bug hunter which was so obvious aliens but they for legal reasons i guess they never credited it yeah and then about 15 years ago when they redid uh back in oh uh d20 modern mm-hmm and they had a future one which had a whole bunch of different you know campaigns like a police in space a doctor who version mm-hmm. they they brought back bug hunter where you were basically a marine like character but you were a clone 
and you basically hunted aliens, uh, which were very close to the aliens. Um, and then um, Leading Edge game in 1991 made an aliens licensed role-playing game, which was basically, it was basically all the characters were designed to be Marines. Mm -hmm. I guess with the sort of thought is that the Marines were the only ones that could stand up. And so there were like instructions how you could make it if you wanted to make them like, you know, space truckers or, or corporate people. Mm -hmm. uh, but, it, but it was basically designed as if your character is going to be a Marine. Okay. Or, or, or a survivor like Ripley is leaving the Marines. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And the Alien franchise is out now. In fact, uh, it's the Alien role-playing game by Free League, which is being marketed by uh, Modifius. Uh, and I guess they're just now or about to release their Marine supplement. Uh, but um, it does very good. It's a you know a huge you know inch and a half well, hardback book. Mm -hmm. um, you know of which you know 20, 30 pages are you know aliens and you know there's the mechanics of how to make a character. But it's a really good book on the background of the alien universe. Yeah, and, and it pulls it doesn't it pull as much out of say the the um, the Dark Horse comic universe, but it does have you know the the people's progressive com or whatever the basically the, uh, 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 Bruce Sterling's uh, uh, no not Bruce uh, Sterling I'm sorry. William Gibson, excuse mm -hmm. me, the other creator of uh, the other creator of Cyberpunk, mm -hmm. William Gibson's Alien Three yeah. uh, script, where he basically had the space commies. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and and it's it uses the same system as uh, Tales from the Loop, and so it's a very simple to make character, mm -hmm. but it's kind of like Call of Cthulhu. You want it to be simple to make characters because you may be going through quite a few. It, it's not only a, it's a very lethal game not only if you're dealing with aliens but very lethal in like space combat okay and there have always been un, unofficial ones uh, there was one that was dialed pretty deeply into the, the Dark Horse lore was a, a GURPS one that was online and there was a D6 Star Wars for aliens oh wow uh, and I had a uh, a game master who was running, you know, uh, West End ga uh, game Star Wars, and he would use the the D6 aliens, but he'd do it as a twist. Uh -huh. He would say it was an experiment from the New Republic. Gotcha. They got out of hand. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, no, I mean. So there have always been some, you know, RPGs, aliens. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. I've, I've definitely ran across uh, D20 and. Uh, GURPS, not GURPS, uh, yeah, GURPS and uh, uh, BRP uh, rule set, like unofficial, just on like uh, message boards and whatnot forever. Like that and like Resident Evil and Silent Hill and I, I guess because I'm always looking for like uh, unofficial horror RPGs or things that I can always throw into my games and just call them something else or change them slightly. Yeah, and in fact, at the same time, um, I think it was a different group, but at the same time, uh, it was doing that. There was like a uh, GURPS Godzilla, Ooh. which which 
you're basically you're like one of the science teams. Uh, you're a science teams that followed Godzilla. Oh wow! So uh, alien and aliens, uh, mostly alien uh, inspired. Uh, something that I did in a D and D campaign that um, pretty much like horrified everyone, and everyone was kind of yucked out by it. And what it was was uh, there was this uh, plant that people were picking, uh, like just like this weird fungoid plant that people were picking that, um, and then we're like supposed to uh, like harvest and pick and carry and transport from point A to point B. And what they found out is that this fungus, if the spores got out, they would get onto your skin and uh, your skin would slough off your body like it would become unseparated from the muscles and slough off. And, you know, your muscle, you know... You, you, sort, you, sort of the opposite. Instead of busting off of you, you come off of yourself. Yeah. And then, like, uh, your skin, while it sloughed off, you couldn't put it back on or anything like that. Uh, what you had to do is burn it or like the fungus would like create kind of like would fill in kind of the inside and then be kind of like this like boneless creature that would like stalk people for nutrients well that's this good old natured uh, uh, nightmare fuel yeah and when they get large enough when when they like the skin's too big they burst and the spores go everywhere and then cause more fungus that people find delicious like eating the fungus won't cause that to happen it's getting it on your skin. So, you know, eating it, getting it on your mouth. Whatnot. Because your stomach acid neutralizes it or something? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just like, it's just a mushroom, but getting it on your face and your hands uh, will just like cause it to spread. And then, yeah, you've got like a couple of days to get it off. And other than that, you need like a wizard to, or, you know, some sort of like uh, someone who knows something who can like do a, I can't remember what, I think it was like a, it was a fairly high, uh, like heel check or uh, herbology check or like something like that. I can't remember which game we used it for, but it was like the skills were pretty high to, uh, to, to, to figure out what was going on. And generally people would be like, what the hell is this? And every once in a while you'd be like, oh yeah, I've read about this. You need to burn uh, your old skin. We're not putting that back on. Then we'll try and figure out how to get you new skin magically. But yeah, you should probably uh, <laughs> not be running around without skin. Uh, probably a good idea uh, in real life as well as gaming. Yeah, definitely, definitely. So, uh, Dave, uh, how how would you introduce Alien into gaming? Like, how how would you uh, like? Would you use a xenomorph? Would you create something new? Would you just have like a bunch of like, hey, you're a bunch of for a better word, NPCs who are doing a bunch of stuff, like a bunch of miners or a bunch of loggers or something. So so I think the, the problem is, and I don't know if you can use the word fairly mm -hmm. problem, is that everybody knows the alien trope. Yeah. So that fear that we had and this, that repulsion and shock of the chestburster coming out of Kane in 1977, mm -hmm. it's not there. So I think I would play with it a little bit. Uh, I think I would have them come across uh, a some sort of spacecraft. 
or a temple mm -hmm. that's just completely different and, and have the bugs there and maybe not do everything except the chestburster and, and maybe do it instead do like the spores where they get sprayed they slowly but surely start turning into the creatures so it follows it it follows this thing that you know that the the, the the aliens are changing you. They're they're taking control of you, mm -hmm. but maybe not the way that they, they the players think. Ooh, yeah. But you know, I have to say, I have to say that sounds awesome. But there's nothing quite like a large hive or a large colony of hard to kill bug creatures with acid blood. You know, I mean, just and you know, we can talk about aliens next time but like just just like the, co the the concept of like oh we're a bunch of rangers and this is our our you know we, we're meeting up for a ranger festival and uh i don't know there's some sort of like terrible creature in the woods stalking us and we're the best rangers there are out there but still this thing's like taking out all of the rangers who aren't part of the people who are actually playing you know, or or even combine them, take like a the the what is those intelligent ants, the ant keg or something. Mm -hmm. I, I'm always mispronouncing things. Sure, but um, make them vampires. Oh yeah, yeah. There's so, so many, so many, uh, so many creatures in D and D that you could use for like I don't know, have a bunch of like gnomes who are uh, mining and like Umber Hulk. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, do a, or just yeah, take an old umber oak. But all you know, people, oh, well, we fought those when we were in the fourth level, and now we're seventh level, and all of a sudden they're umber oak with acid blood. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's there's all kinds of stuff you can do uh, to I don't know uh, invoke the alien franchise, uh, steal from it liberally steal just a few ideas maybe maybe just like the concept of like uh you know like a world spanning uh company that you know sends people to their death and that's just what your your players are is just just pawns in a massive corporate global scheme and <laughs> and you, well yeah and you could you could do alien Oh yeah, but but in a fantasy setting, and not so instead of Ash being an android, mm -hmm. he's a construct. Yeah, uh, or a flesh golem or something. Yeah, or you know, and the thing though, I think the thing at the time that really made Alien so scary, mm -hmm. besides the creature and the fact that you know characters can, you know, you're you're kind of getting attached to the character and then they got you know picked off is that um, there's this incredible expanse of space, mm -hmm. but at the same thing, they're claustrophobically, they're locked in a ship. Yeah, yeah. So you can start off with something like a huge island, mm -hmm. and now they're locked in a temple complex. Yeah, yeah, or... Or they've left, they've left, they've left the temple complex, and then they're on some sort of boat. So where they're just, you have this huge ocean that you can see, you can look at, but you're not going to make it out of yeah yeah or or like uh i don't know you're on some kind of massive boat some shipping vessel and uh the captain orders you to like go out and 
capture animals for food that they're just gonna like feed and then like you know and it's like you know capture some big things and you capture something and you don't quite know what it is you think it's a just a panther like a weird looking panther but no it's a displacer beast mm. on a ship or, or you know <laughs> it, it, it could be you know you want to do the alien thing yeah it could be let's say you capture tigers or lions uh-huh. you know you're you're going back to port to sell them and then the creature burst out of burst out of them out yeah. of the animals oh so yeah you didn't know oh, but wow. you brought this creature into your your ship yeah oh and that made me think about how kind of cool that aliens are they kind of expand upon it i think indefinitely and like three how it's like uh the alien uh that you kind of see killing people came out of a dog sorry spoilers for anyone who hasn't seen a movie that came out when i was in middle school and um yeah no and 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 so you have like a smaller like dog alien yeah yeah and i remember like the the toys took it even further (laughs) yeah where where in the where there's like uh, a water planet and it comes out of a whale. Oh wow! Type yeah. Creatures. Uh-huh. And and so the, these these whale creatures are, are attacking, you know the the shoreline. Mm-hmm. It's crazy stuff. Crazy crazy stuff. Yeah. No. And um, it's like if you think about it, it's like if like aliens ended up on Earth, it wouldn't just be humans that had to worry. It's all life forms. I mean, it's just they consume to reproduce but what 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 happens when like aliens reproduce enough that there's only them on a planet like do they what do they or or they're the they're the apex predators yeah yeah i mean at what point when you know do they do they do do they need people for do, do they need uh complex biological life for anything other than reproduction Because it's like we don't know if they like live off of heat, like if 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 you know that's their food or um, electricity or like. Uh... <laughs> are they know. vegetarians? Yeah, are they vegetarians actually, and they just like live off of like space molds that we don't know about, or are they they, uh, you know, are they jet black because of the fact that they absorb all light and heat? I mean, you know, I don't know. Because they don't like you don't see them like eating people ever. You know, they, it's not like they like stick around to go yum yum yum. It's 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 they 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 punch a hole through something, and you know to kill it so that it they don't get killed. And if they do steal something, they use it to like nest in. And you know it's yeah. And and, and these are questions. I mean, and they deliberately in the movies ignore the question. Well, how does it get bigger without taking in biomass? Yeah. But you know, in a fantasy world, you, you can have the aliens live off, or the these bug creatures live off magic. Yeah, yeah. Or, or you know, there there might be something that we don't know. Like, uh, what are the radio radiation levels on those ships? And are, are, are those aliens just, like, absorbing the radiation or something? It's like, mm. they, they, you know, they may be gaining biomass. I mean, they, they have acidic blood. They're, not necessarily the same uh, biology as uh, us. So <laughs> the reason that they gain uh, size so fast is something that I've thought about quite a bit as a kid. 
and also growing up it's like well how do bugs you know what do bugs eat and it's like well what if what they eat we can't see or what if we're going into something that's like you know dan o'bannon lovecraftian guy uh what if what what if they actually eat food in a uh a dimension we can't perceive what if you know they have they, they don't need eyes because uh their brains work like Tillinghast uh, generators to, on some degree, and they eat the squiggly things and the big predatory things that, uh, you know, I don't know. There, there's all kinds or, of stuff like that. Or if you wanted to keep up the Lovecraft thing, what if the Mego, you know, Migos steal the brain and put them in jars, but Ooh. what if it's because they need the body to, to put their, you know, larval in to grow? Ooh. And uh, what if you gave Mego uh, acid blood? Yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, you could definitely, like, just make Xenomorphs Migos and call it good and just be like, oh, yeah, no, those are unintelligent Migo. Those are, like, feral Migo. You know? Uh, yeah, no. Um, that's, 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 that's a lot of ideas, everyone. So go out there and uh, have some uh, and Xenomorphs. And forth. Yeah. I said go forth and burst forth with your ideas oh yeah yeah definitely and you know xenomorphs chest bursters uh people with crappy jobs i mean it's all out there and waiting to be shoved into DD or call of cthulhu or shadow run hey we didn't talk about shadow run i think bug city was uh shadow runs uh attempt at the alien franchise without and and an excellent campaign oh yeah yeah chicago oh man Anyway, uh, thanks again, everyone, for listening to D&D on D&D. I've been Dave. This has been DB. Other way around. Uh, thank or, you. or vice versa. Yeah, thank you for listening to Radio Free Oleander, 1130 AM, KZOM, Oleander, Oregon. Rate, review, subscribe. Tell your friends about the show. I don't know. Uh, tell your friends that we're going back to the old format. If... Uh, your, your friends are like, I didn't like it like Oleander. I like People's Guide to the Cthulhu Mythos. You'd be like, well, it's coming back. Well, I didn't like D.B. Spitzer by himself. He's so talky by himself. Well, Dave's there, too, to keep him on track. Well, I don't do but do You know, can't keep uh, everyone happy, but we try. And rate, review, subscribe. Tell people about it. And, you know, check out the show notes. Uh... Check out the links. We've got some t-shirts out there if you're looking for some t-shirts. Uh, Dave's got a t-shirt. I am well. And also the uh, Uncle Owen's uh, Goat Farm shirt is still in the shop if you're looking for that one. Dave, anything you got to say to folks? No, other than, you know, uh, keep listening no matter what the name is. Yeah. And also one final thing. We hope you're all doing well. We hope you're out there able to go and do things. And we will see you for sure at the HP Lovecraft Film Festival this October in Portland, Oregon. Uh, maybe we'll have t-shirts. Maybe we'll have stickers. We don't know yet. We don't know, but we'll find out. And when we do, we'll let you know. And again, thank you for listening, everyone. Uh, thank you for sticking with us. And thank you for being awesome. And oh, yeah. I already asked you if you had anything else to say, Dave. Dave, can you say goodbye uh, to everyone? Goodbye, everyone. All right. Thank you, everyone, and we'll talk to you next time. This week's music is by D.B. Spitzer. And 
All of this was recorded at the studios at KZOM Oleander, Oregon. Thank you for supporting your local radio station.